There was something that floated during this campaign that got a lot of attention. That was Premier Daniel Smith suggesting that a move towards forcing Albertans into drug treatment might be an idea coming to fruition. Now, experts say that this is absolutely cruel. It's violent. Uh, But it's controversial, with a lot of people saying that it's maybe a better option than nothing. And I would love, Chad Nation, to get some of your questions on this, because I know that there are some mixed thoughts when it comes to this, specifically from people who have had close family members or friends, relationships with people that have lost their lives due to addiction, that then say, well, look, if this had been an option, I would have chosen this so as to maybe save that loved one's life. So how do you approach this? And and what questions do you have about the idea of forced drug treatment? 780-496-0063. Our guest is going to help us understand why this is seen as such a violent practice. Uh, Alia Gavorchin, Master's of Science candidate, the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University is joining the show. Alia, thank you so much for making the guest or making the uh, time for the show. I really appreciate it. Hi, thanks so much, Chelsea. Thanks for having me on today. You know, this is a conversation that I think uh, it can it can become very emotional. We have obviously a drug crisis, not just in our city or our province, but in our country. And a lot of people think that this might be a way to navigate it. So what's the research that we have to suggest that this forced treatment doesn't work? Yeah, so there is actually quite a bit of research that's coming out now that is talking about that. Um, I kind of just wanted to start by contextualizing uh, what's going on nationally right yeah. now. Um, yeah, so what we're seeing is the policy suggestion uh, emerging from multiple parties across provinces um, about involuntary treatment for um, people who use drugs. So I'm located in Vancouver and BC. Both David Eby under NDP and Kevin Falcon under BC United are proposing expanding involuntary treatment criteria to include aspects of substance use. Um, So that includes people who have overdosed repeatedly or who have been diagnosed with a substance use disorder. Um, And obviously in Alberta, where you're hosting this show, Daniel Smith, as we know, under UCP has proposed apprehending those with, um, in her words, severe drug addiction under the Compassionate Intervention Act. Um, Pierre Poliev has also been advocating for similar forced treatment programs, um, touting that funded safe supply programs are leading to more overdose deaths, uh, which is actually untrue. Um, So there obviously has been a lot of media discourse around the topic this spring, and I know this is relevant given that uh, your provincial election is happening today. Yeah, Um, we have some some big decisions to be made here in this province, and this, I'm sure, for some voters will factor into it. But as we said, I mean, it is something that is controversial. So so what Mm -hmm. is known about this? I mean, is this a practice that has been used in Canada before? Is it used in other parts of the world that we can compare it to and say, look, here's why it clearly doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Um, so a major concern around the expansion of the practice to include substance use um, is the fact that it, it actually lacks evidence to support its effectiveness. Um, that being said, politicians are still really relying heavily on it. Um, there are a few studies based in the U.S. specifically that do compare the effectiveness of involuntary with uh, voluntary treatment protocols across the board that's showing negative impacts for people. Um, if we look at people who are experiencing forced psychiatric detentions, which we have a lot more evidence for, um, they're more likely to be readmitted or die by suicide following their discharge. Um, wow. Research, yeah, so and research around um, discharge from forced drug treatment programs. Um, we know that that can increase the risk of fatal overdose, which is a huge concern um, with forced drug treatment when you're putting people through 
um, hospitalization, they have to go through withdrawal and then um, you're ultimately forcing a lowered tolerance for the drug. So if someone is required to abstain mm. for, from a drug for a period of time while they're in hospital, their tolerance goes down. When they're discharged back into the same environment where the drug market is so toxic like it is right now, um, we're putting that person at an increased risk of fatal overdose. Um, so it, it, it is shown to be quite harmful for people, especially in that regard. Um, we do know that it's weaponized already against drug users um, in Canada, for example, I'm drawing from my own knowledge in BC, um, around 18% of people who are apprehended um, have a primary diagnosis of substance use disorder. So it is a common issue, but unfortunately, there's not a lot of evidence that points to support its effectiveness right now. I wonder, too, when it comes to its effectiveness, if someone has to be mentally and emotionally ready to accept treatment. And if they're not there, then the risk of overdose is just as likely. You're going to have this sort of boomerang effect. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, ultimately, we, we do know that some people will have success with drug, forced drug treatment programs, but we're looking at a net benefit to society. Um, we know that it crushes trust in healthcare um, for a lot of people who use drugs. Um, and we do know that for drug treatment to work, people have to be ready for it. Um, shifting to prioritizing preventative voluntary care in community um, when someone wants to get help uh, they're more likely to engage meaningfully in whatever treatment is actually being offered um, when we're relying on involuntary treatment a lot of the time it's yeah it's against people's will it's not what they want um, and that can be quite harmful i wonder though if there's like if there's maybe a middle ground you know someone sending a text in right now saying sorry but we need a completely radically different approach to drug use and i mean we do have a really profound in-your-face problem not just in this city but in this country and something has to be done about it and so i know there are people that say look this is at least an option it's something rather than nothing Mm -hmm. That is true. Um, when we think about potential treatment options, as I said, um, with voluntary treatment, we do know that it's more successful. Um, there are a lot of health care system issues right now that are making that impossible for a lot of people to actually get voluntary treatment. Um, wait, times, wait times for drug treatment and mental health programs are higher than they've ever been across the country. Um, in Alberta and BC, especially, there's not enough treatment beds available in inpatient programs that are voluntary. Uh, there's not enough outpatient resources in the community that meet the diverse needs of the people accessing care. Um, when we look at mental health as well, um, which we obviously know has an association with substance use, um, therapy with clinical counselors or psychologists are incredibly cost prohibitive, like up to $250 an hour, uh, while, while they should be publicly insured. So there's those issues that are kind of at the forefront is the lack of access that people have to effective programs before they become acutely, um, acutely ill or struggling a lot. Um, and another thing I think in terms of radically changing our system is um, shifting to safe supply programming. There is a lot of evidence about safe supplies effectiveness. Um, while it is controversial for a lot of people, ultimately, we really need to expand it to ensure that a regulated and predictable supply of drugs is accessible for people. Um, we're experiencing a drug poisoning epidemic currently with fentanyl in our supply. Anyone who may choose to use drugs might be at risk of death. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, people use drugs. They have done so for most of humanity's history. This probably won't change. And people should have a right to know what is in their supply so they can dose appropriately and manage their risk. 
Ali, I want to keep talking to you about this because I know mm-hmm. that there is a lot, there, there are a lot of questions about this and there are a lot of people that I think feel that, you know, maybe they've got the answer. It's hard to find a one, a one size fits all approach because addiction is such a layered and complex problem. So uh, let's keep talking about this. We do have to take a very short break uh, and we'll come mm-hmm. right back into it. Ched Nation, I would love to hear your questions and your thoughts on this one as well. 780-496-0063. When we're talking about forcing drug users into treatment, do you view that as something that is violent or unethical? Or is this a better option to try to do something to help so many people that are addicted and struggling? Our guest is Masters of Science candidate in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University, Alia Gavorchin. We'll be right back in three minutes. Talking about the idea of forcing drug users into treatment and how that is seen as a violent practice by professionals. Our guest is a Masters of Science candidate in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University, Alia Gavorchin. Alia, thanks so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Chelsea. You know, I'm just taking a look at some of the comments that people are writing in as we're having this conversation on our live text line. And, you know, there's there's people that I think aren't aren't quite from the same perspective that you are when it comes to looking at this as an unethical practice. Some, someone saying, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. Someone else saying, we have to do something. What we have doesn't work. Even if it's 10% forced drug treatment that, and that works, that's a win. Someone else saying, even if it saves a handful of lives, that's a win. And I, I wonder what you say to those texts. You know, Are we being too gentle on a problem that doesn't need a gentle approach? Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, there, there's a few different points that I want to talk to with regards to this. And I do know that this is a, obviously a very controversial topic. Um, the first thing that I think about is from a constitutional perspective, um, this, pro, or, uh, this policy represents a violation of rights to life, liberty and security um, of individuals to receive medical treatments that they have not consented to. So for a practice to rely on a practice that deprives people of their autonomy and dignity to such a significant extent, it's really important to have rigorous evidence regarding the effectiveness of the policy. Um, As I mentioned before, we do know that uh, forced drug treatment generally causes more harm than good. I want to reiterate the fact that um, drug treatment, when we are putting people into care against their will and releasing them back into community um, and exposing them to the toxic drug supply, uh, their tolerance is lowered after being forced to um, abstain from using drugs. And that can lead to a much greater chance of that person dying. Um, And And again, But I wonder, and I just want to challenge you here, I I wonder about the idea of, you know, society's dignity and safety and well-being. If someone is out of control on drugs, I mean, some, some intervention has to happen, does it not? Yeah, and I think what I mentioned before, um, a key... A key recommendation that I think should be guiding this work is the expansion of a safe supply of drugs. I think at the end of the day, the priority should be protecting people. In Alberta, over four people are dying a day due to drug toxicity. In BC, it's nearly seven. Um, Over 1,600 Albertans died last year due to drug toxicity, which most of which occurred in Edmonton, where you're you're based. And in Canada, over 30,000 people have died from drug toxicity deaths since 2016, which is way more than any other major accidental death. Accidental death causes combined. So that is um, obviously a really big public health impact. 
and and back to your I, I get the, right ahead. Talk, no, I, I understand. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I, I just, okay. I understand the idea of, you know, only looking at the deaths and that's, that's one metric to look at it. But what about the quality of life for someone who is living on the streets and they're addicted to a substance and every day is a struggle and every day is absolutely excruciating. We see so many people living a life like that on Edmonton streets. And I'm sure where you're based in Vancouver, you're no stranger to that as well. I mean, what about trying to elevate those people from situations where maybe they're living like that for years? Yeah, this is definitely true. Um, I think when we look at those issues, we need to um, pressure our government to step up with actions that address root causes of substance use, um, poverty, social inequity, housing, affordability issues, mental health programming, all of these things interplay and create complex conditions for people who are experiencing those things. Um, I think with forced treatment, given the fact that we know that it is not an effective treatment, and that is what the science is saying, um, what's most of these discussions are contributing to by, by politicians or virtue signaling and band-aid solutions. Mm. So I really want to encourage people to look beyond this at the science while also considering the perspectives and experiences of people who use drugs. Um, ultimately, uh, what we do know about people who are overdosing as well, um, a large portion of them are not street entrenched. Um, in BC specifically, over 30%, I believe it's 37% um, of overdoses are happening in private residences. A lot of overdoses are not um, occurring with people who have substance use disorders diagnosed. Um, a lot of them are just people recreationally using drugs on the weekend. Huh. And um, that is continuing to be a trend in Canada widely. Um, and so I think when we look at that as well, like not all people um, should be forced to endure this potential um, stigmatizing, harmful, criminalizing, traumatizing um, experience. Um, and I, I, I did want to reiterate as well, which I haven't really touched on, is the experience of involuntary treatment. Um, what we know that happens to people while they are in care is forced medication, uh, very little emphasis on counseling and root cause treatment therapies. Um, there's often instances of abuse and mistreatment. We know that people of color, specifically Indigenous people in Canada, are overrepresented in forced drug treatment programs, um, also in, in, um, uh, in psychiatric institutionalizations as well. So those are kind of the things that I point to when I hear that discussion, is that ultimately, while I can hear the frustration, and especially people who have families that have uh, family members dealing with um, overdose or yeah. people that have lost people like it's incredibly incredibly painful um, but at the end of the day um, we know that treatment programs that are involuntary are often very brief uh, they can be very traumatic and ultimately they put people at risk of overdosing once they're out of care okay Aliyah thank you so much for sharing that perspective uh, really mm -hmm. appreciate it thanks so much Chelsea of course take, take care, care. That's Aliyah Gavorchin, uh, Master's of Science candidate in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University. Yeah, it's a complicated issue. It's very complex and layered. Um, hopefully that provided some insight, but I know that there is so many... There are so many people that think, look, this is at least just an option. And yeah, I, I that's sort of where I, I line and I don't want to... I don't want to lean towards, you know, doing something that's really unethical for people, but I, I just think that maybe something to step in and intervene that could maybe save a couple of lives could do some good. 